Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode number 164, Marriage and Sacrifice. If you're listening to this episode in real time, we are at the beginning of Lent, and in Lent, it's the custom to give up something, uh, to sacrifice in a way to get closer to God. And sometimes we sacrifice not eating between meals, sometimes we sacrifice caffeine, or maybe it's sugar, or we don't watch TV, or maybe it's not going on social media, whatever it is. Um, They're not bad sacrifices, but I would like to offer, and it's early enough in Lent that you can still bring this into your daily life, not just during Lent, but always, a different kind of sacrifice that might really bring you not only closer to your spouse in marriage, but also closer to God. So first I want to talk about what marriage is, and then I'll talk about the sacrifice within marriage. St. Augustine says, the measure of love is to love without measure. I love that. To not tally up our love. To not measure it out and make sure it's even Stephen. That we give and give in love. And the first place in our life that we need to consider how much we give is often the last place that we think about during the day because it doesn't seem urgent to us. And so we often just don't even pay attention to it. So we may go days and weeks and months and maybe even years without really focusing on our marriage. Every person has a specific call, whether it's to the priesthood, the religious life, to single life, or to married life. We all have a God-given mission, and God gives us that mission so that we can have a vehicle to know, love, and serve him, and not ourselves. And so it is in and through our vocation, our divine calling, to know, love, and serve God with and through our spouse, for those of us who are called to marriage. And when we do this, we spread God's kingdom and his message of love in our place in society. Did you know the word love is used close to 600 times in the Bible and the word heart is used about the same amount? Why? Because that is what God wants us to do, to love, to love those around us in the vocation he has given us in the place in which we are to live that vocation. I'm always fascinated when I think about how God chose to send the Redeemer to the world. Fulton Sheen puts it like this, And God's will is fulfilled in the simplest, most ordinary of circumstances, a woman who gives birth, a family, a home. And we wonder why. Why did God choose to send his son in and through a family? 
Why didn't he send Jesus to the middle of Jerusalem at age 30 and say, here's the Savior of the world? In fact, in Matthew, we hear, who is this Jesus? Now, I'm putting this in my own words, okay? Who is this Jesus? Isn't he just the son of some carpenter and basically a nobody mother? And when I think of the self-sacrifice of that mother, what she went through, I can't even say the words, nobody mother, without real intense emotion. If the first 30 years of Jesus's life were hidden, why were they important? Were they a good use of time for Jesus? Yes, because God wanted to teach us what was important. The circumstances God chose to save mankind show us what is important to God. He sent his son into a family. Marriage and family life is our path to holiness. Pope St. John Paul II said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. When we understand the immense confidence and reliance God places on us as mothers of our families, whether or not we feel fulfilled in life seems trivial to me. We have the biggest opportunity of fulfillment by creating a family that can contribute to changing the world. The family, quiet by society's measure. In fact, throwaway by society's measure, yet powerful by God's. And it's for this reason that the devil attacks marriage, life, and families. And I think it's for this reason that the marriage makes women feel like they're doing nothing in the world. They're just taking care of kids. They're just cleaning the bathrooms. No, it is so critical that we understand the immense power that we have in bringing about the kingdom of God by doing those things. That's where we find our fulfillment, not whether or not we can run marathons or we can have a side business or whatever it is that we feel like we need to do to find fulfillment. The devil is tricking you. Fulfillment is in your call to marriage and motherhood. St. Jose Maria's message of sanctity in the middle of the world is about sanctifying ordinary things or ordinary life and our relationships in our ordinary life. And the first relationship we're called to sanctify is our marriage. More than a call, marriage and family life is integral to the plan of salvation. And it begins first with our marriage, always our marriage first. So let's talk about marriage. Well, it's a sacrament. It's a supernatural reality that brings with it special graces, which enable spouses to carry out their marriage duties faithfully. You can persevere and create a beautiful marriage because it is a sacrament, because you have the grace if you depend on it and the supernatural help from God. So even if you find your spouse is not really into the marriage right now, 
you can save and persevere your marriage just yourself. Just by you embracing the supernatural grace and making decisions that enrich and contribute to the love that you and your spouse maybe once felt. The Holy Family is our model. Now, none of us can claim all the traits, you know, that Mary and Joseph had. God has called us precisely to marriage to become all those traits. Perfected, holy, patient, generous, kind, loving, and forgiving. Your marriage is that most important human relationship. Why do marriages fail? Because at their core, one or the other of the spouses did not make their relationship with their spouse first in their life. But if you're listening to this and you have a spouse who doesn't make your relationship first, I'm here to tell you that by you doing it and praying for him and taking care of embracing all of the graces that God gives you in the sacrament, you can change the course of your marriage. When we get married, we never imagine that our marriage could be the source of all our sacrificial love. We think that we love this guy and everything is wonderful before we get married and it's all going to be wonderful afterwards and we're going to have so much fun and we're going to travel and on and on and on. But actually, our marriage is the place where God perfects us, where he makes us holy by us embracing the cross of marriage No one ever talks about that right before you get married. There's no cross of marriage in your pre-cana work, usually. And I'm here to tell you that if you find your marriage is a cross, rather than that happy-go-lucky good time, join the crowd. Every marriage has sacrifice. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. Few of us are called to sacrifice in worldly great ways, like being missionaries or helping out with the poor in other countries. We are called to great sacrifice in our relationship with our spouse and with our children. We seem okay to sacrifice for our children, losing sleep, financial hardship, going to five soccer games in a weekend. But we tend to resist sacrifice in our married love. Our marriages need to keep going through a new life. And new life always requires some kind of surrender, some kinds of sacrifice. We are Christ to our spouse. He is our cross. To suffer with our spouse, to help him mend his hurts, to support him through all the ups and downs of life, to rejoice with him in joys, to sit back at a moment of pride of our children, and to realize we had something to do with it, together, the two of us. We sacrifice for him, and he sacrifices for us. 
And in that sacrificial love, we live out God's command to love as I have loved you. As I have loved you. That's how much God wants us to sacrifice for our husband. That much. And it is in that sacrificial love that we find the fulfillment and we nurture the seeds of love. Every benefit of the doubt you give to your spouse, the unconditional love, even when he has hurt you and maybe hurt you to your very core, the loving challenges you ask of your spouse, forgiving when you don't want to forgive, those are all ways in which we sacrifice the ways in which we live sacrificial love. And marriage is that path to sanctity, or it isn't. You choose to walk the path to become a better person or not. If you're just satisfied with status quo and really not interested in the sacrificial love, or maybe you're just tired of the sacrificial love, maybe you're tired of constantly being challenged to grow in virtue and love, and you just live with status quo, you will not become better and you will not have the marriage that God really intends for you to become the person God always intended for you to become and to have the marriage that God intended for you to have with your spouse. Marriage is that vehicle he uses to bring you to holiness. It's that vocation. It's not just a rite of passage. We get married, we have children, blah, blah, blah. We retire. No, it is the vehicle, the path that we are given to become more like Christ in the middle of the world to change the world. Marriage and the family are the linchpin in re-Christianizing our world. And on a personal level, marriage is our greatest source of fulfillment and joy. Now I want to talk about marital unity. Marital unity is the foundation on which we will build fidelity, intimacy, communications, and avoiding the temptation to put other things and people ahead of our marriage. So if we're not unified, if we don't see that the very first and most important thing in that quadrant, urgent and important, is our relationship with our spouse. Whether or not our spouse sees it that way, it doesn't matter. And I know you're saying, yes, it does matter because I'm trying really hard, but he's not trying at all. I'm saying to you that when you put it urgent and important, you show up differently to him and he will change because of the way you are showing up as urgent and important in your relationship. Mature love does not come immediately or automatically with time. Now that we've been married almost 39 years, I laugh when I think about how I thought the two shall become one actually happened when the ring went on my finger. No, 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 no. The two shall become one is a process. And if the initial love between spouses were left to thrive on its first momentum, it would grow cold and die. It's a fire that must be constantly fed with effort, sacrifice, and prayer. And that's when we begin to become one. God has called you to care 
for that man. He whispers to you, this man is for you. How will you get him to heaven? This is kind of a long quote, but I love this quote from C.S. Lewis from The Four Loves. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Yes, being in marriage makes us vulnerable. Yes, our husband will hurt us. Yes, we will hurt our husband. And then what? And now what? That is what it means to be in love, to be vulnerable, to be hurt and to hurt and to forgive and be forgiven. Do we forgive, forgive, forgive? Do we love to the point of suffering on the cross? Do we sacrifice that much for our husband? Do we forgive 70 times, seven times? which is just another way of saying perfection to the very end. My commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. I repeated that because that is the love we're called to live. Almost 40 years ago, I knew a couple who was in the process of calling it quits. Their children were grown and moving out. A spouse was not dealing well with an addiction. They were miserable, angry, and defeated. They lacked hope. When they spoke, it often ended in sarcasm and disagreement. Many years later, I was there to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. Every detail of the Mass was perfect. They renewed their vows. The party afterwards found them laughing joyfully, crying joyfully, dancing, happy and fulfilled with grace surrounding them. You could feel the grace surrounding them. They were best friends. They traveled, they laughed, they celebrated life with their children and grandchildren. They held hands, they respected and admired each other. They shared outward affection. What happened? That couple made two decisions. The first one was to not give up on each other to make the human sacrifices necessary to remain in covenant with each other. They each had to see their part in the failing of their marriage. It is never one person's fault. We have to be humble enough to see how we may contribute to the distance within our marriage. And number two, they each had to seek the grace of God individually nourish their relationship with God within themselves, and then together, as a couple, God between them and within them. Another quote from C.S. Lewis, The pain 
of now is the part of the joy of then. So have in your mind who you want to be 5, 10, 20, maybe it's 30 years from now. What kind of marriage do you want? Write down all the qualities, the person you need to be to show up to have that kind of marriage. You can't control your spouse's actions, okay? You just can't. But you can control your own. So work on you. When we work on ourselves, we work to unite with our spouse physically, emotionally, and spiritually. To care for him and to let him care for us. To love each other unconditionally so as to contribute to that kingdom of God. To forgive without sadness or hurt or prideful emotions. To be careful about our thoughts, making sure that we choose the thoughts about him and about our marriage that will give us options on how we can contribute to the growth and nurturing of our marriage. To love to serve, to forgive, to decide that it's worth the effort, even when you think I can't possibly put forth the effort. If you have been seriously hurt, if your husband deals with addictions or infidelity, to pray him through to the other side. St. Jose Maria says in point number 999 of the way, And what is the secret of perseverance? Love. Fall in love and you will not leave him. He is talking in that point about falling in love with God. I would like to suggest that, yes, that's the first thing we need to do, is persevere in our faith to know love and serve God. But it is also applicable to our marriage. What is the secret of perseverance? to love, to continually live a sacrificial love and fall more and more in love with our husband and create the marriage and family life that God intended for us and that can change the world. Take care. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be, the woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at findingjoyinmotherhood.com.